Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater, West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Good morning. I'm Tony Ford, if you don't know me. I've been worshipping here since 2011. Great joy. Um, before I turn to the scriptures, I'd like to plug this document to Family Linkline. Now, if you're on our weekly mailing list or, and get the monthly uh, news update from the office, you'll see a link to this document every month. If you haven't got one and you'd like one, or you're not on that list, there's a little bunch of them by the door. It's, it's, um, it's news for prayer about some of the people that we're supporting in prayer and giving uh, in, in the global outreach. And it links to the video that we saw earlier on. That's part of the work of the GO team. Well, I wonder what your um, favorite sound is. One of my favorite sounds, um, for example, if I'm walking mid-morning from where I live in uh, just off Poulter's Lane down into town, in the distance, a couple of hundred yards away, I can hear the sound of a playground full of young kids. And it's such a joyful, lively sound. It always lifts my spirit to hear that. It's absolutely great. And I think Jesus must have been uh, happy to hear the sound of children from time to time because um, he talked about them, didn't he, in the reading. Uh, He talked about the children as he observed them. And uh, sometimes there's laughter, sometimes there's squabbles. There's all sorts of noises going on. But you can imagine the scene that Jesus described where some of the children in this group wanted to to play uh, something happy. They wanted to dance. And the others, on the other side, they just had enough dancing for one day or for a month or whatever. And they just didn't want to play. So there was a kind of disagreement there. And on the other hand, there was another time when the group wanted to play a dirge. Maybe they wanted to pretend to be uh, running a funeral or something. Uh, I can't imagine that happening. Although I must say, there was a time when my three little granddaughters were staying with us and um, the oldest one wanted to pretend to be uh, a clergy person, she wasn't a clergyman, a clergy person um, serving communion and little wooden balls became the bread and little empty cups became the wine and she did very balletic, um, she did a, something like this, like this, like this and then lifted up the body of Christ, <laughs> the blood of the Christ. It was very elegant and what she ended up to be I have no idea. Anyway, children play, don't they? And um, Jesus referred to this rather squabbling group of people uh, who wanted different things and just couldn't agree what was going to happen and said, you're a bit like that. Look, John the Baptist has come and uh, you think he's got a demon. I have come and you're accusing me of all sorts of things. So the problem was that the, the crowd had a fixed idea in their heads about what a messenger from God would look like. And that really depended on the concepts that they had in their minds about what God is like. I mean, take this John the Baptist, for example. Would God really send a man who dressed in such odd clothing and lived away from other people and ate whatever he could forage? 
And why did he insist on repentance anyway? Because we're not such a bad lot, are we? And why in the River Jordan when God has told us to worship in Jerusalem? It just does not make sense. He's either slightly balmy or he's uh, got a demon. And as to this Jesus, well, it's the other extreme, isn't it? I mean, dinner parties are fine, aren't they? But with a tax collector? I mean, the Messiah is supposed to come and rid us of the Romans. And here is this person, the people are saying he's the, the Messiah, and he's toadying up to the minions, the tax collectors who work for the Romans. It just makes no sense at all. So neither John nor Jesus must come from God. And it was basically their ignorance. I've got three eyes for you today. No, I haven't got three eyes, I've got four eyes. I've got three, three eyes for you today. Ignorance is the first one. Ignorance about God, a head full of false ideas, will make you make the wrong decision about God. You need to get to the truth. Because Jesus had already talked to the crowd about John the Baptist. He said, John is a prophet. And he was the one who's going to come prepare the way for the Messiah. And referring back to um, Isaiah, Jesus said that the Messiah was going to be sent to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who mourn and grieve. And you won't find that kind of person in a palace or a swanky restaurant anywhere. They will be the kind of people that Jesus was mixing with. So the core problem didn't lie with what Jesus did or John did. The core problem lay with that basic inner ignorance that people had about God in, in, their, in their own minds. They had not grasped the truth about God. And they had held on to some misunderstandings about him. And because John and Jesus didn't fulfill their expectations, the crowd rejected them as messengers from God. And that can be a bit of a problem for us today. Not that John the Baptist and Jesus are around on the earth today, but it can be a problem for us. Imagine that some people have this idea that God is remote, he's watching from on high, he's got a very stern face on, and he's just waiting for us to make a mistake, to do something wrong, and he's going to zap us with a bit of punishment. Well, that's not God at all. God is a loving Heavenly Father. And even if that word Father drags up some painful memories for us because of our family experiences, we need to learn that God remains a loving, welcoming, faithful Heavenly Father. We must not reject God because we think He is just stern. Or again, we might think, well, if God is God, why didn't He stop wars? Why is there still war in violence uh, in Ukraine? Why is there violence on our streets? How about these foul things that we hear of again and again and again? Well, there's a reason that God doesn't come in and stop it all. He is suspending his judgment on the world out of his mercy so that we and people around the world have an opportunity to return away from that kind of stuff and turn to him for mercy and forgiveness. But eventually the Bible tells us God will judge. He will hold us all to account. A third misconception might be that God's job is simply to help us enjoy life. So we avoid every discomfort and every disappointment so we can have a happy, carefree life. Now, if you believe that and you run into some problems, well, you give up on God. He hasn't done his job, but that's not God's job's in, job in the first place. Whether we are joyful 
or unhappy, whether we are in pain or suffering misery, God will be with us, whatever our circumstances, and God will make a difference. The point is that if you believe wrong things about God, you're bound to be disappointed, just as those people were in Jesus' day. The most important question of all is how can we know the truth about God? And how can we get to know the one true God? And it's a total relief to me that Jesus tells us the answer to that, as we'll see in the next few minutes. We don't have to remain in ignorance about God, believing wrong things about him or about Jesus. And in fact, it's actually dangerous to believe wrong things about God. So that was the first of our three eyes, ignorance about God. The second thing that Jesus gives us an insight to is intimacy. If you look at uh, verses 25 and 26, Jesus is speaking to God, the Father. And you notice that Jesus addresses the Father as the Lord of heaven and earth. Yes, the Father is Lord. There is no one higher than him, no one to whom God answers, no one who has greater authority or majesty or power. God is the sovereign of all the universe. He is the Lord over everything that he has made. And yet, Jesus calls him Father. Now, the Archbishop of York may say there's a problem about calling God Father. But I, sorry, I have to disagree with you, Archbishop of York. Jesus calls the God, God the Father, Father for a purpose and for a reason. And it shows to us that there is a heart, a father heart, a loving heart that God the Almighty has toward us. And Psalm, 40, Psalm 145 puts it this way, very beautifully, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Rich in love, compassion for all he has made. That includes me, and it includes you. There's nobody outside of that scope. And that's great news, isn't it? That the one and only true God loves us. The Almighty has compassion on us today. And then Jesus gives us a glimpse of the most intimate relationship that he has with the Father. Only the Father knows him, the Son. And only the Son knows the Father. And here, just for a second, Jesus gives a glimpse into the inner relationship of the Trinity. The Father and the Son know each other, for they have always been together. They love one another in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Now, on Trinity Sunday, Mick Frayne reminded us that no human being will ever fully understand the triune God. How could one of God's created beings ever fully understand the Creator? If I made a Lego thing, I wouldn't expect the Lego thing to understand all about me, would I? Or a Meccano thing, if you're of a, an older generation. But in love and grace, Jesus gives this insight, this glimpse into divine intimacy of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit knowing one another. But in this intimacy, Jesus answers the how question. Because a few minutes ago, I left this question hanging, didn't I? How can we know the truth about God? And how can we get to know the one true God? 
Well, thank the Lord Jesus for his answer here, right in the open, nothing hidden, nothing esoteric. It's here, it's plain, and it's simple. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Have you got that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, chooses to reveal the Father and chooses the people to whom he reveals the Father as well. And he does it through an invitation, the third eye. In verse 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, learn from me. And this is the most thrilling invitation you will ever receive. Jesus chooses people, yes. But here and now, this very day in Broadwater, this Sunday, he is saying, come to me. He is offering you this invitation now. There is a surprise though. Jesus also said it's not the wise and the learned who will receive the, the revelation. Now that's the opposite of what we would expect, isn't it? Don't teach to say, work hard, study hard, live long, be wise. Surely God would accept all that. But our efforts don't matter one jot when it comes to getting back into relationship with the Father. What is more important, Jesus teaches here, is being childlike. Being trustful is key. Accepting what Jesus tells us. Not analyzing every word. Not cross-examining our Creator. Just accept what He does and accept what He says. So God is revealed to the simple-hearted, the trustful, the ones who come and believe what He says and rejoice in what he does. So Jesus invites you now to come to him, to learn from him. And I love that Jesus invites the weary and the burdened so that he can give you rest. And I'm wondering if you're feeling weary today. Just back from a week's holiday, so I'm not feeling very weary, but very often I do feel weary. I wonder if you're weary of doing religious stuff trying to keep all the rules so that God will be pleased with you and accept you. Jesus says you don't have to be wise and learned. You don't have to be excellent in religion. Lay down that weariness and come to him for rest. Maybe you're weary of carrying a burden of guilt or shame or regret. Some from the past that dogs you from time to time creeps up upon you at three o'clock in the morning and keeps you from sleep. Jesus invites you to come to him. He'll help you lay that burden down and he'll guarantee you a new start. Or maybe in your weariness, you work hard every day to be that person that other people think you are. And keeping the truth about you to yourself is a strain. You believe that no one will accept you as you really are and you wish you could just be totally honest. Jesus says, come to me. You can be real with me. Tell me all about it. Lay that burden down, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you worry like many of us about the way the world is. Inflation, job security, health worries, street violence. You fret about yourself, about your children, your grandchildren if you have any. Jesus will tell you all about the almighty 
Lord of heaven and earth. No matter what happens around you, Jesus can give you peace and unshakable joy in him. Which leaves the question hanging, doesn't it? Well, how do you come to Jesus? It's ever so simple. Find a quiet place. Lay aside a few minutes of time and just talk to him. He's real. He's a great listener. Listen, read the Gospels. If you've got a Bible, if you haven't, we'll let you have one. Read the Gospels. Find out more about Jesus there. Ask him for help, for you to get to know him better. He's sent his Holy Spirit to come alongside us as well, to teach you, to lead you closer to Jesus. And if even that sounds a bit too much, a bit of a stretch, why not talk to somebody you trust here in church? Maybe an old Christian. Ask them to pray with you. There will be many who will be happy to help you to begin this journey of coming to Jesus. Jesus says today, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen.